Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. that would say, I don't want God to be in my marriage if we really knew how good God desired for our marriages, our families, our homes, our church to be. And so again, we're going to look at that. What if God can be involved in the areas of our life? You know, Socrates, he said this. He said, if you find a good woman, marry her and you'll be happy. But if she's a bad one, you'll become a philosopher. (laughs) <laughs> so Socrates obviously <laughs> Socrates obviously uh, did not have a good wife and so uh, you know I think so many times people think they're philosophers already they just want to give you advice and they don't have a clue in the first thing of what they're talking about have you ever ran into any of those kind of people sure thing well what if God could be in our marriage That's what we're going to look at today because, once again, God desires to be invested in every aspect of our life. And the question is, is what if our marriages, our relationship, maybe you're not married, maybe you're soon coming to be married, maybe you've been married and because it was so bad you thought, I'll never, ever, ever do that again. But I'm telling you, God desires for marriage to be an awesome blessing in our life. And so we're going to look at that. Amen? And so just simply as I began to search my heart about just this aspect of God being in our marriage, my thoughts were drawn to just my involvement with my daughter's schools. They've they've got a program that's called the Watchdogs. And what the Watchdogs are, and in fact this might be in every school for that matter, I'm not really sure, but in, in their school it's called the Watchdogs. And what they do is invite fathers to come into the schools and just be a part of helping the children throughout their day. And so it's just strictly volunteer. You can sign up and go in whenever it's convenient for you. But again, they're wanting positive influence, father figures to come in and invest into these children's lives. And the very first time that I ever went into my daughter's schools, now, again, I wasn't necessarily involved in their classrooms. They just kind of funnel you wherever it might be. Maybe it's, maybe it's in the cafeteria. Maybe it's in the kindergarten. Maybe first grade, whatever it might be. But throughout the entire day, you're going through different classes and having different interaction with different children. And on the very first day that I ever went to be a part of the watchdogs, I was swamped and swarmed by children. They didn't know who I was. Now, I think I'm a pretty innocent guy that looks like I could be kind of loving. My wife might argue that at times. But, you know, I came in and these kids just swarmed me and just wanted my attention. From the moment that I got there, in fact, they didn't even know me concerning the teachers. I just walked in and said, I'm, I'm, I'm here to be a watchdog. And they're like, okay, well, if a kid needs help, just, you know, help them wherever you can. And that was the basic of my instructions. And so these kids would just come in. Will you read to me? Will will you sit with me? Will you talk with me? And it so overwhelmed me, the desire for these children to have my attention and affection. 
And I'm telling you what, I've got to give it to teachers because as I was there for only just a, 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 the, the beginning of that day, very quickly I began to see into the lives of those little kids, those that were struggling with with emotional issues, those that were struggling with physical ailments, those that were just having good days or bad days. And I'm telling you, it was so obvious concerning those that were from broken homes because they had no problem telling you about it. And this was my first day of ever going and hanging out with these kids. You start to talk to the children. And obviously it was a lot of times the girls that were so open to tell you, you know, and they just chatterboxes, you know, and you know, they'd say, yeah, I'm going over to my dad's house this weekend. Yeah, I, I was at my dad's house last weekend and we're getting ready to go ride horses. And so what they're telling you in a roundabout way or in their way is that my parents are divorced or they're not together. Or there was another girl that was saying, you know, my, my stepdad is taking me and he's going to buy me this. And I'm like, wow. I said, you must have a great stepdaddy. No, I don't like him. <laughs> and as I said, as I'm with these little kids, my heart's breaking. And I'm thinking, how do teachers do it every day seeing these little children that are broken? And how do you do it day in and day out, year after year, not trying to fix them? How do you not get numb to the dysfunction that these little kids are involved with? And actually, my oldest daughter's teacher, she said to my wife one time at a student council meeting, she says, thank you for taking time for your girls. She said, I get so frustrated and so angry at parents because these children are a byproduct of their parents. And isn't that the reality? Is that our little kids are blank palettes and they're going to become adults one day. And it's going to be based on the example that they see. And they're going to duplicate and reproduce what they were a part of all their livelihood as a little child. Now it's real easy for us to get critical and say, yeah, those deadbeat parents. You know, it's your fault that those kids are that way. But the reality is, is that more than likely that was the life that they were raised in. That's all that they know. And they are doing the best that they can do. But we see these little kids beginning to grow up. And what they're really doing is modeling and becoming what they've seen. Kids just want to be loved. And as a pastor, it's, it's interesting because these little kids will come up to me. And my knee-jerk reaction is like, let's get God on the scene. Let's pray. I'm hurting. I don't feel good. Let's pray. But obviously the school systems aren't real keen on you being real God-oriented. But my knee-jerk is, let's get God on the scene. And what if God could be a part of our lives? What if God could be a part of our marriages? What if God could be at the focal point of our lives to enjoy and experience the life that God has so desired for all of us to have? Can God be in our marriages? He can be. But there's a prerequisite. And the prerequisite is, the condition is, is that God must be invited. If we want God in our marriages, if we want God in our homes, we must invite Him to be a part. He so desires to be a part of our relationships, in our marriages, in our homes, 
But he's sitting on the sideline saying, will you just invite me to be a part of your life? And there's two parts of that invitation. The first part is where we invite him on a personal level to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's about you and that's about me. But then as I come into a relationship with my wife, not only does she have to have a relationship with God and I've got to have a relationship with God, we've got to make the conscious choice together to say, God, we want you to be a part of our marriages. Amen? And once again, as I'm looking at these little children that I had the opportunity of investing into their lives, like I said, it's real easy to be critical but you just don't know what their lives look like. For the lives of those that are believers, the Bible says this. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, If you are in Christ, or if you have made the invitation for Christ to be in your life, the Bible says that the old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, I find it interesting that it uses the word behold. And I looked up in the Webster's Dictionary, I think it's the 1828 edition. And this is what Webster defines the word as behold. It's to fix the eyes upon, to see with attention, to observe with care. And Webster always gave scriptural references to his definition. And he gave this scripture. It says in John chapter 1 verse 29. Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. How many of you know that that whole concept of receiving Christ. Taking away our sins is a faith thing. You've got to believe sometimes what you can't necessarily see. And you have to believe in order to see. And he says... When you receive Christ, make that invitation into your personal life. He says, behold, give attention to, really focus on, fix your attention on this. The old has passed away, and behold, all things have become new. You don't know what my upbringing was like. You don't know what kind of home I had. You don't know how... How many men came in and out of my life? You don't know how many women came in and out of my life. You don't know how I was abused. You don't know how I was treated. You don't know how I was neglected. I understand that there's many that have stories that are very horrific. But Jesus said, when you make an invitation, the old has passed away. Fix your gaze your attention. All things have become new. Yeah, but wait a minute. I remember when I, wait a minute. Behold, you're fixing your eyes on what was. And it was ugly. It was horrific. There was no cause. No one deserves it. But behold, fix your attention on this. There is a brand new start when you make Jesus the Lord of your life. When you give him the invitation to be a part of your life, something brand new takes place in your life. So in other words, when my wife made an invitation to receive Christ, she received a brand new start. When I made Jesus the Lord of my life, extended that invitation, there was a brand new start in my life. Now, she and I came from two different backgrounds. 
I came from a lily-white Christian home. She came from a Christian home, but it was broken. We could come together and be dysfunctional. Or we could come to the realization, there's a brand new start. We choose what this looks like. We choose not to reproduce what we know. We choose to have a fresh, clean slate and say, God, not only have we invited you into our lives, we invite you into our marriage. And behold, all things can become new. Our marriage can become something that never was in the lives of our parents because we make a choice. Now, again, don't misunderstand. Our lives or our parents' lives could have been great. But we can choose to have it even better because we make the invitation to say, Jesus, we want you to be a part of our life. In Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible says this, concerning our marriages, there is a parallel between our relationship with God. He says, it's a mystery. He said, but listen, if you'll begin to cultivate a relationship with God, It's just as simple to cultivate the relationship with another man or a woman in the context of marriage. So let's look at the attributes or the attributes of God. How that can begin to show up. How we can make that invitation for God in the midst of our relationship and say, What if God truly can be in my marriage? Unfortunately, many, because of their past, they go into relationships and marriages and say, I'll give this thing a try. I'll try it. What are they saying? I'm always leaving the back door open. Because if it don't work, there's always an escape route. If it don't work out with this one, somebody will come down the road. But how many of you know that if you don't get it right the first time, more than likely you reproduce the same thing over again. Right? Some of the attributes of God as we see that there is a parallel between our relationship with God and our relationship between a husband and wife. One thing that God says, he says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't change. So in other words, what God's saying is that I am constant, I am consistent, I'm always the same. When it comes to my love for you, it don't diminish. It's the same as it was yesterday as it is today. But God, I messed up so bad. My love for you is the same today as it was yesterday. But God, you don't know how I turned my back on you yesterday. My love for you is the same yesterday as it is today. God is constant. God is consistent. He'll never turn his back on you. And with God, there's never a back door. There's never an escape route with God. God says, I'll stick with you through the thick and through the thin. Aren't you glad that God doesn't judge you based on your failures, but according to mercy? Just as we sang about today, aren't you glad that God doesn't say, my love is conditional? And I don't know if you're like me, but man, I'm telling you what, there's times that I say, if man, if I was God, there would be a whole lot of french fries right now, because I would fry them to a crisp. I mean, there would be a lightning bolt that would come down right now. You know what I mean? Aren't you glad that God isn't like you? But he's consistent. He's constant. Rather than saying, man, I'm going to zap you for just being a bonehead. He knew you was going to be a bonehead before the foundations of the world. Before you even were a thought in mom and dad's eye. 
you were in the heart of God and he loved you. When it comes to God, God has such an amazing work ethic. And once again, concerning that work ethic, it's because he doesn't give up. It's constant. In fact, God says this. He says, man shall work six days and on the seventh day is his Sabbath. So in other words, God says, listen, life, it's going to be work. In fact, in God's eyes, in fact, most people, they're trying to figure out how they can work hard not to work. You know what I mean? I love this younger generation. In fact, this young man was having a difficult time and he got with me and we were, we were doing some counseling. And he says, why do we have to have jobs? He says, you know, you go to work and you spend all your life working. And he says, you know, how come we can't just spend life with our families? You just work your whole life away. And I'm like, welcome to reality, kid. God says, you're going to work six days. And on the seventh day, it's your Sabbath. Give me that day. How many of you know, in order to have successful relationships, it takes work. And God says, listen, it's an everyday thing. And you've got to take time to work together, but you've also got to take time to rest together. But also, you've got a purpose to put me in the mixed of your relationships you've got to give place to me as your god because i'm the originator of marriage i wrote the book i know what it was meant to be i know what it was supposed to look like if you'll simply allow me to give you direction let me be in the midst of your life you'll be saying what if it could be this good because god desires for us to have what he said he would would give to us Can you say amen? Now, in Genesis chapter 18, verse 12, I want us to take a look at this. And in Genesis chapter 18, verse 12, this is a particular portion of Scripture where God had told Abraham and his wife Sarah, he says, you're going to have a baby. This is my promise to you. He says, now, I understand, Abraham, you're 100 years old. And Sarah, you're 90. But notice what the Bible says here in in Genesis chapter 18, verse 12. It says, when God said this, therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, or my husband being old also? And I found that extremely interesting as I began to look at that statement. As she began to laugh and she made this statement, Shall I have pleasure? With my husband being that he's old. Now, once again, the Bible tells us that God created us as husbands and wives to have marriage and to be fruitful and to multiply. That was God's plan. So the fact that she laughed tells me that Sarah had given up. She stopped wishing. She stopped hoping. She stopped praying. I'm 90 years old and my husband is an old dude. Shall I really have pleasure, God? Come on. Get real. Come on, we we make them seem so holy, but they're just people. Shall I have pleasure, God? I've given up. He's 100. I'm 90. Doesn't that hit home sometimes? Man, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. God, I'm just giving up. Secondly, she says this, shall I have pleasure 
relationally, having intimacy. Come on, you know babies come from one way, right? Okay. She says, now, shall I have pleasure with my my Lord, my husband? He's old. You've seen him? He's old. Now, what that also tells me, that they have tried and they've tried and they've tried. And she says, come on, God, are you serious? We're going to do what we've tried to do for the last 90 years and still going to have the results we've always had? Another side of that also tells me, maybe, just maybe, Abraham and Sarah had gotten to the point where they just never enjoyed relationship with each other anymore we're just old been there done that you know been on the merry-go-round and you know what it is what it is we're just living life well how many of you know that it takes work to keep the passion alive in the mix of your relationship oh we're just going to be in love and be in lust forever oh really how many of you been married for any length of time I always tell these these stories to people that I'm counseling. I says there's going to be times where you're going to have to choose to love them because in that moment you hate them. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? It takes work. And God says, "Listen. You've got to give attention to this." And then number 3, in the years of being together, As I said, it still takes effort. She goes, shall I really have pleasure? You mean, I've got to stir things up? I've got to get prettied up? I've got to comb my hair and look good for him? Come on, you know, you've seen his pot belly. You want me to all of a sudden look good for him? No, it takes effort. There's many people that would say, you know, I've been down the road and I've discovered that I married the wrong person. Listen, you might have been in lust rather than in love. It may not have been the perfect will of God. But one of the things that God says, that God blesses the marriage covenant. The word blessed means empowered to prosper. You may be sitting here today and you're saying, I don't know that I want to continue down the road with this man or this woman. You may say, I don't know that I have any more get up and go in me because we've been repeating the same thing over and over. God says that he blesses the marriage covenant, so therefore he gives you strength and empowerment to love that person beyond what you say your feelings are. How many of you know that feelings come and go? Love is a choice. Love is a verb. It's not a noun. So once again, we've got to choose to purpose to do this thing with God. Now, when it comes to Sarah, one thing that's very interesting that I find, she says this again in in Genesis chapter 18. Therefore, Sarah laughed to herself saying, after I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure my Lord or my with my husband, even though he is old himself. The reason that I bring that to your attention is even though Sarah may have looked to all the failures, 
looked at all the years, all the wrinkles, the pot belly, the, the messed up hair, she still called Abraham Lord. It signifies honor. Every man longs to be honored by his wife. Every wife longs to be loved by her husband. It's the heart of God. In Ephesians, we said there is a parallel. Wives, you honor your husbands just as I've ordained it to be. Husbands, you love your wives just as Christ loved the church. This is a mystery because it's a challenging thing for us to do. But what if God could be in the mix of our marriages? What if God could be in the midst Well, you don't know my wife. You don't know my husband. You don't know how difficult it's been. It's a matter of saying, God, I invite you to be in our marriage. We invite you to be in our marriage. You know, it's interesting. The Bible says this to us guys. He says, guys, dwell wisely. Dwell with wisdom when it comes to your wives. Do you realize women are a whole lot more complicated than we are? And I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just saying they're different. They're wired different. We, we, we see a path that's straight, direct, fix it, conquer it. The wife says, but what about? What if? What about? How? Yeah. All the other directions. It's just the way that God wired them. The way that God wired us. But he says, now you dwell with wisdom when it comes to your wives. How do I do that, God? In James chapter 1, verse 5, it says this. If any one of you lack wisdom, guys, you don't have enough wisdom to please your wife without God. He says, if you lack wisdom, let them ask, and God will give it to you liberally. God knows that you need to have a lot of wisdom to walk with your wife. To be the man that God's called you to be. To serve her. To love her. And she's looking for a man that will lead her. A man of God that will say, God, I want you to be invested in my life. Well, how do I get this wisdom, God? You invite him to be a part of your life. And one of the number one ways that we invite God to be a part of our life through wisdom is by inviting the word of God to be our instruction manual. Well, if I only had, if I only had a, a manual that could say, do A, B, C, and you make her happy. It's right here. He says, in fact, there's not an A, B, and C. He says, just love her. Just love her. And she says, well, if I only had a manual of X, Y, and Z. God says, if you'll invite my wisdom into your life, just honor him. Well, I'd honor him if he loved me. And she said, he says, well, I would love her if, he would, if she would honor me. God says, well, no, wait a minute. It's, it's not conditional. <laughs> you do it in spite of. That's inviting the word of God into your life. To speak into your life. To give you direction into your life. Do you realize that God desires for our lives to be supernatural? I used that word last week. When it comes to our marriages, he desires for our marriages to be supernatural. And the only way that our marriages can be supernatural is if we invite God to be a part of our marriages. Because apart from God, all our marriages will be is natural. You understand what I'm saying? 
you know enough people that have natural marriages. And they're ugly. They're just barely getting by. They're on wife or husband number three. And it's always been natural. What's supernatural? Does that mean to be spooky, kooky, and weird? No, it's God putting his super on your natural and helping you in the midst of your marriage and your relationship to have the relationship that God designed. What if God could be in our marriages? What if God could actually be involved? How do we get the blueprint? The word of God. But the Bible also says this, that we've got the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. He says that he is the helper, the counselor, the teacher. He can help you become a champion as a man or a woman. Be the best wife, the best husband, because he knows what it takes. He set up the guidelines. He created the framework of it. Amen? I've got a pastor friend that I'm on his board and we just had a board meeting yesterday and we got talking about his new house i said how's things going he said oh man things are great he said but the interesting thing is he says you remember last week he says you remember when we had that day that was like almost 80 degrees and i said yeah he said man our house started getting getting hot and he says we got this attic fan he said i've never owned a house that had an attic fan he said but that thing is so cool he said i opened up a window downstairs and i put that attic fan on and it sucked all the hot air out of our house he said it was pulling so hard he said it was make, making my pant leg flap in the wind he said, that sucker cooled down our house right now. But then he said, later on that night, he said, he kept saying to his wife, do you smell that? Do you smell that? She's like, yeah, I do. And they're like, what is that? And he said, it seemed like a familiar smell, but yet at the same time, he couldn't put his finger on it. He said, it didn't necessarily smell like natural gas, but he said, he just kind of, God, something just ain't settled on the inside. What is that? And he said when he asked the question, gave the invitation for instruction into his life, gave the invitation for God to be the leader to him as the man of the house, God said, that fan blew out the pilot light on the hot water heater. He went downstairs. Sure enough, the pilot light was off, and that's where the gas was leaking. See, I'm talking about living supernatural in the sense that God becomes real and wants to be invested in and involved in your marriage, in your life, in your family, and every affair of your life. Amen? I know it's real easy to be critical of the ones that, that we love, or, or, or that we love, rather, but never criticize your spouse for your faults because if it wasn't for their faults, they might have found somebody better than you. <laughs> come on that will preach right there <laughs> well i wish i had a manual you do i wish i had somebody that would tell me how to do this thing you do sometimes we as people especially as men we don't like manuals do we my daughters got barbie barbie houses for christmas this past christmas i love my in-laws but sometimes they buy the darndest things that just means a weekend of work for me. And so my father-in-law bought Barbie houses for both daughters. And these weren't like little Barbie houses. I mean, these were like Barbie houses, you know. <laughs> and so as I'm, 
as I'm going through the, the, you know, the day and I'm like, I just want to relax. And the girl's like, well, you put my Barbie house together. So I started to put the one together and it went together pretty good. I'm thinking, well, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. This went together smooth. So I got the other one out and I'm thinking, I can do this. I can do this. And I start to put it together. And, and, and the instruction manual comes not only with the words, but the pictures. Oh, don't you just love the pictures? And I started to put it together. And then something didn't fit with this. But I'd already put this together. And, and I already put this together. And according to the manual, this and this were supposed to fit together. And I got something wrong. And it wasn't working. And it wasn't lining up. And therefore, part of the Barbie house was upside down. And I'm like, oh, what did I have to do? I had to take the one part all apart again. Because I missed some of the manual. How many of you know God has painted a picture of his love and what it looks like? He said, this is the picture of what true love is and what a marriage can look like. And it's in the form of what my son did for you. He gave his life. Husbands, wives, those that are in relationships... If you want to have a long-lasting relationship, if you want to serve your spouse for the rest of your days, you've got to lose the right to be selfish. Because the moment that you become a person that invites Jesus into your life and invites God into your marriage, he will start to say, how do you sacrificially serve that spouse? How do you give of your life to them? How many of you have ever went on YouTube to search out how to do something? Thank God for that. And I tell you what, I'm mechanically stupid. I mean, I am just horrible at mechanics. But I bought a new tractor last year. And in buying the new tractor, they have the break-in period. And you're supposed to change out the transmission oil at 50 hours. And I'm like, I don't know nothing about nothing when it comes. I mean, putting air in the tire is challenging for me. But I went on YouTube and I found out how you do this and you do that. I'm like, I can do that. And so many of us try to self-diagnose our life. Self-diagnose our spouse going online trying to figure this out, figure that out. Well, I know why you're the way that you are because you're crazy. You're schizophrenic. That's why you're the way you are. But God says, listen, don't try to self-diagnose yourself on YouTube or Facebook or whatever else. Be careful of the friends that you hang out with because they'll lead you down a path that might get uglier because of their bad advice. God says, I've given you the instruction manual. Invite me into your life, into your marriage. What if God could be in the mix of our relationships and we could truly have the relationships that God desires in closing in hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 it says this therefore brethren having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of jesus by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest of the household of god If you're a believer, a follower of Christ, your house has become the household of God. And God says you can have confidence and boldness 
to invite him in. And when you invite him in, the very personality of who he is, is love. And the Bible says that love never fails. People in a marriage can fail. But the originator of marriage and the personality of who he is, love can never fail. God, I don't know if I have enough faith to do it one more time. The Bible says faith works by love. You can do it. Don't give up. Some of you might be here today saying, I don't know if I want to do it one more week, one more year. I'm not talking about abusive relationships. I'm talking about marriages that have just gotten tired. God loves you and wants to empower you to fall in love again. Let's stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I simply want to close by praying for you as individuals, praying for your relationships, praying for your family. And one of the things that I know that God says that He always honors my prayers. And so I know that the moment that I start praying, God starts going to work on your behalf simply because I've prayed for you as a pastor. In fact, the Bible says in James, the effectual heartfelt prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. So when I begin to pray, power, the power of God is going to begin to work in your life. And then it's up to you to cooperate with the power that is available to begin to mend marriages, make marriages better, make relationships even with mothers and fathers and children because of the power. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you right now that your desire is that there not be division and schism between a husband and wife. Your desire is that there not be division and schism between parent and child. Your desire is that there not be division and schism between siblings. And so God, right now, I pray that the peace of God that passes all understanding would begin to guard their heart and their mind. That they would begin to see things from a new perspective. See things clearly. See things with the brightness of the new day. Of the new creation. Of the old things being passed away. And all things becoming new. Because right now in this moment God. We are having the ability to step into the fullness of a brand new day. Our relationships and our marriages have a brand new start right now. And therefore God. If we choose, it's not a matter if if you will be a part of our marriage. It's if we will invite you to be a part. So God, I invite you in my own. I invite you into my heart to lead me as a husband, as a father. I invite you to give me wisdom to dwell richly with my wife and my children. God, I invite you right now. To lead me as I lead my home. God, I thank you right now that I pray for my wife. That, Lord, you would begin to fill her and flood her with the love of God. To be able to to be the wife you've called her to be. God, 
I thank you that you're helping us lead this church and being the example of what a husband and wife is. And God, as I pray that for myself, I pray that for every single person in this place. For we're coming up higher and we are seeing the promises of God in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life